Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thank you for tuning in to the JMU Sports News Podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Bet BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin. I'm joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, we got a guest this time, too. We have a guest. Um, we teased it on last night's Twitter space. Maybe they were going to usurp Chase Kitty as the number one um, guest yeah. on the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'll, I'll throw Chase a bone. We'll separate the two you know, rankings. We'll go non-athlete. So Chase, of course, is number one there. And then we'll go athlete. I think Jalen makes a run at Harry O'Kelly for number one. Yeah, Jalen Ford, a uh, very impressive softball pitcher, was a star at JMU, almost was one of the key leaders that took the team to Oklahoma City. They fell one game short, I think it was 2016 when that happened. They got my years right, but they came really close. You're right. She helped develop, that sounds right, something like that. She helped develop. I was a freshman, uh, so I was a freshman okay. in my freshman year is 2015, 16, so 16, it would have been yeah. Yeah, so she was unbelievable. And then she's played professionally um, in the United States a bit, but then also in Japan. So we talked to her about what that is like. I really want to go see a softball game in Japan now. Yeah, who's going to put us... Uh, uh, there's got to... We all start a GoFundMe or something. because, And then once COVID dies down a little bit right. more, I feel like that would be such an awesome atmosphere. She'll talk about it, but it sounds like it'd be like... I don't want to give away too much of what it is, but... It sounds more lit than a JMU football game. Yeah, it's an awesome, it sounds pretty intense and, and fun. And it's kind of similar, I think, if you see like some of the like Japanese baseball and things like that, they take yeah. that really seriously and the crowd loves it. So I think that'd be a ton of fun, but it was cool to talk to her about what it's like to play over there. And then we talked to her about how she's landed on the US national team for the world games, which will be in July in Alabama. Only 15 players and three alternates made that for the US side be one of those it's unbelievably impressive i think she beat out odyssey alexander among others at a tryout so super impressive we talked to her about that and then of course we talked about women's college world series i feel like any jmu softball conversation for the next five years is going to have some women's college world series mention maybe until the next time they make it so maybe this year all right <laughs> well take it away <laughs> future bennett and uh, jalen and jack and, and enjoy the interview we now welcome on a very special guest, Jalen Ford, one of the best pitchers um, in JMU softball history and also quite a hitter as well. Jalen, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, very grateful to be here. So thank you. Awesome. I think we should start with uh, you, your recent naming to the, the U.S. national team for the World Games. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Appreciate it. A tremendous honor. It looked like a team of 15. Is that right? So it seemed like there was, I guess you can take us through the process, but a group of players went and kind of tried out and looks like you were one of the, the 15 to actually make that cut. Yeah, I think they, uh, I think they ended up inviting, I think 40 some players um, and it whittled it down to 15 at the end. You with three alternates. So 
um, 18 of us will get the opportunity to represent um, USA for the World Games, and they'll kind of fill in in some of those other uh, tournaments throughout the summer. But, um, no, very lucky, very um, – something I'm looking forward to and something definitely that I've um, uh, tried to achieve, I guess, throughout my career, which is cool. What was the, the tryout process like, and how do they tell you at the end there that you're on the roster? I know some of us have obviously gone through, like, tryouts and things before but never on a stage like that I imagine it's wildly intense and competitive given how talented some of the players are who who didn't make the roster right um and I, I think it just for me I guess uh being as it was my first tryout it kind of shed some light on how difficult that process is for you know us as athletes but also for them as uh like on the committee to to make that decision but um they really based it off of um, we did some skill evaluations the first day and then just live uh, situations. So as, as a pitcher, we threw to every batter once, um, and then every hitter got to face every batter. So um, just kind of judged off of that. And then that took about four days. And by the end of it, they sent you home, and, and you got an email the following day uh, kind of letting you know whether you're on the team. So um, when that, that – Time slot came out on Friday, and we were all kind of hanging around our phones and on social media waiting for that announcement. So it was really cool. Wow, that's that's awesome. What was it like for you, kind of waiting for the email? Are you someone who's refreshing the email constantly? Do you try to kind of wait and, and focus on other stuff? How do you deal with that process? No, I was actually I, I really had no expectations going into it. I was just I just went to try out to just, I don't know have fun, see what could happen. Had no expectations. So when that time came around, I didn't really. I wasn't on social media. I didn't really hang around my phone. I didn't really want to, I wanted to know, but I didn't at the same time. But um, so it took probably 20 minutes. And then I got some texts that started rolling in uh, just with the congratulations. So that was kind of cool just to wait and see how things kind of played out. Awesome. So then that's in, in July. That's right. Yes. Yep. In Alabama. Gotcha. So then what's the, I guess the next few months look like for you? I think we're talking to you and, and you're in Japan right now. Is that right? I am. Yeah. I just landed yesterday. Um, but yeah, I'm here for the next, I guess, four months, June. Um, and I'll go straight to, uh, the Canada cup and then I'll play a couple weeks there with USA pride back to team USA, just kind of bouncing back and forth throughout that summer. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty much playing the next nine months, which is really, really cool, really fun, but, um, yeah, bouncing all over the place. That's awesome. Can you take us through the professional, journey for you because I think a lot of people are familiar with JMU softball and and that schedule but maybe don't know what it's like as a professional softball player who's playing in the states and in Japan right um yeah it's it's pretty unique it's it's very uh I guess at times can be time consuming and demanding but that you know you get paid to play softball so you can't really complain about that um but yeah it, it just varies depending on, on where you play I, I've been lucky to play in Japan where it's you kind of work softball you don't really play it so we we practice here six hours a day um the other girls on my team work in the mornings so uh busy with that aspect but uh from there you know with pride we um do a little bit more normal kind of like college like uh practices and um just kind of keeps you busy and and keeps you in the game and and giving back to the girls too there's a lot of cool opportunities with pride that we're able to uh, host some events and some um, tournaments to be able to, you know, give back the knowledge that we've received and um, really teach that next generation about the future, I guess, of softball and the ability to play post-college. So being able to to play overseas or play in Japan or play in the United States and just having more opportunities, which is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you've, you've been in Japan for a while, at least played there a while. How many years is it now that you've, you've played in Japan? Um, I'm going into my sixth season, so my sixth wow. year. Crazy, didn't think would happen. But really. yeah, what's what's the uh, cultural adjustment been like for you from year one in Japan to to now? I guess how is everything with language and and teammates and all that good stuff? Um, it, it's it's really like I think it's grown me a lot and really opened my eyes to a little bit more understanding of different cultures, different um different people, different languages. But I know that first year after coming from uh, JMU and Virginia and kind of being in my Virginia bubble, it was like a big shock um, just with food and the people not being able to understand or get around. Um, so I've learned throughout just being able to, to be understanding and, and be flexible and um, 
just really try to get to know my teammates in other ways that there's a lot of, um, whether it's hand gestures or the smile or um, high fives, just like little things go a long way, regardless of if you're able to communicate or not. So I've learned that aspect. That's so cool. Yeah. Just the whole process of playing professionally is awesome. And like you were saying, where how many hours they spend on the game in Japan, I think is really interesting with the, you know, six hours they practicing all that good stuff. It's, it's maybe different than some, what, what some people expected. I was curious too, like coming out of JMU, did you think you would have a chance long-term to, to play professionally full-time? What were kind of your, your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I really, I was trying to take it year, year by year, but I really had no plan past kind of two years. I was like, you know, I'm going to try this Japan thing for two years. And after that, maybe I'll get into coaching or, um, find another job, but I've really, I think playing here in Japan and as well as in Australia has really like reignited my passion for the game. And plus, again, can't really complain getting paid to, to play softball. So, um, uh, just in that aspect, that's it's, I guess, changed. And I would not have believed that I'd be playing six years now post-college. And um, hopefully my goal is now to, to play for 10 years here in Japan, which is like a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. So that's the goal now, whether it happens or not, I'm not sure. I'm still taking it year to year, but it's still, it's, it's kind of incredible just to still be playing. Really cool. Yeah. Watching your like senior year at JMU to have it go from, from there to here is, is really cool. And I was curious too, what the, like the fan atmosphere is like for, for games in Japan. And I think some, some fans here are probably seeing like athletes unlimited and what they brought up and maybe some of the stuff with the pride and things like that. But what's it like playing in Japan in terms of the fan base? Uh, the fan base here is incredible. Um, if you know anything about Japanese culture, it's that they're very passionate about their sport. And so it really doesn't matter what sport it is. But, I mean, we get incredible crowds on a typical year. The past couple years have been a little bit different. But typical year, we've, we get incredible crowds. Our championship games, we'll, we'll get seven, 8,000 fans in the, in the stands. And they've got those little boomer not boomerangs, but the little bangers yeah. <laughs> that they clap around. And so even they have a band, too, most of of our teams uh, sponsor like a band from our company um so i mean they play throughout they cheer for us it's really it's really wow. cool it's really yeah it's awesome it that's sounds so like cool. I, I, need I, love a, I need to get to <laughs> yeah, I need to get to a softball game that sounds like a crazy out that sounds more intense than some of the jmu games that that i've been to oh they're they're very passionate and they get into it too um um, but it's definitely an experience. That's for sure. A cool atmosphere. That's awesome. Yeah. Jack, we'll have to put that in the, the bucket list to get out there for yeah. one of those. That's, we'll, that's we'll awesome. Pitch it to, to our listeners. See if we haven't been able to get this, <laughs> yeah. but maybe they'll buy Joe fund me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <go> fund <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> exactly. And then Jack, I guess if, if you have any, I guess we can transition to, to Jamie in the women's college world series. Are there any questions that are kind of popping off your head that, so I don't, dominate the whole conversation oh, no, yeah it's fine you just have to figure out you're trying to learn the japan um you know japan atmosphere of softball i completely understand yeah. <laughs> um well i think the main like just start with it is during your time at jmu pitcher hitter and everything like that then we saw megan good we saw odyssey and the first thing that comes to my mind is you don't necessarily see a pitcher hitter combo that's at an elite level like you see that jmu continuously like is pumping out what is it the way they recruit is it just kind of byproduct of being a mid-major like what is it that has jmu pumping out hitters and pitchers um i honestly it's probably a little bit of both um i think you know coming into jmu we a lot of us just want to be able to play in any position we can so i tried to make us a little bit more versatile i guess um but uh, I think it helped them too, just like as from a coaching standpoint, like being able to, if your pitcher is one of your better hitters, then that frees up another spot in the lineup to, to have like your strongest nine hitters, um, you know, hitting. So, um, I mean, I, I've always encouraged players to continue, whether they're pitchers only or whatever, just to keep hitting or try to play other positions just to be able to find another spot out there. But yeah, I know as in part of the recruiting process, that was like big for me to be able to find a program that um, allowed me to hit. Um, and I think going into it, just being a mid-major probably helped a little bit because a lot of the bigger schools don't really want their pitchers getting hurt. Or, um, But I think they really, at least with Coach Dean at the time and Coach Laporte as well, uh, value the athlete. You know, they want athletes. They don't really, you know, not the pitcher only, more versatile. But. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's so cool. What was it like for you to watch the the women's college world series run? Is I don't know how much you were able to watch, but just to to track that and see the team go from it got very, very close when you were there your senior year to to making it to Oklahoma City and has obviously gotten close before, but to get there and win some games, what was that like from your perspective? Um, it was it was incredible to watch their entire journey. I, I know I, I followed along throughout their regionals and supers, and then I was actually able to watch them in um Oklahoma, which was really cool. But just a very, I guess, proud and prideful moment as a as I not only of the university but of the football program. And just to see something, I mean, when I came in, we weren't all that great of a program. And I think just to see the the turnaround and to see that that culture is still being taught and still being accepted mostly by the players of, you know, that strive for excellence and the strive to be the greatest. So I think it was just incredible to see them not only be at that stage, but also to perform and kind of show the world like, Hey, we're here. Don't mess with us sort of thing. It's really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was super fun to watch from just from our perspective. I imagine as an alumni, it must've been really cool to see some of those games that were kind of heart pounding matchups too they were yep and um, if you were ever part of the um i mean you weren't able to make it to oklahoma i guess but uh mm-hmm. part of the i guess kind of the student section or alumni yeah. section be able to to interact with your old teammates and, and cheer on your team i don't know it's just it, very happy like made me so happy just to be there and and hear other people cheering for jamie that have probably never heard of them before so that's really cool could you kind of put into put into perspective what Odyssey did? Like, not as as people who me and Bennett, we've never played the sport of softball. I, I I don't think we were much of baseball players either. So like, we can't fully wrap our head around what Odyssey did. Not only in the world women's college world series, but throughout the regional and super regional. Um, it's really hard to put in the words for that too, just because you know it's, I feel like it's almost something you have to experience, but from an outsider's point of view it was just like the way she carried herself and the confidence she portrayed and um, just being able to I, I want to say take the team on her back and lead them you know going into a weekend series in the CAA where you're playing three games in a weekend you know a little bit but when you're at a regional tournament people have scouted you now and they've seen you like you've got to be at your best your a game every game every pitch and for her to be that focused and that um just intense for three or four weeks in a row is incredible because it's not that's not easy to do as as an athlete is to be on for that that amount of time but uh, she really embraced it and, and she really help put JMU on the map and I, I know it wasn't just her I know it was her teammates as well and I, they fed into it but I, I think they helped in that aspect of just being behind her and and and, car- and helping carry that team to where they were. That's awesome I was really interested because I saw Alyssa Humphrey had tweeted recently like I think after you made the team that she wanted to be like you when she grows up I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was curious what the relationship is with the current players and how much contact I guess you still have with the program and, and coaches and how often you're still able to kind of interact with some of the people in Harrisonburg? Um, I, I talk to coaches every now and then. Um, I really, I try to give them just the like, space. I know as a coaching staff, it's very hectic and especially this time of season, like, like you don't ever want to bother them or anything like that. But whenever I'm in town, I try to catch up and get, uh, get a lunch or get a dinner with them. Um, as for the players, I really, I think, Odyssey's senior class that that class last year was about the last group that I had kind of ties with or knew um so this whole this group I know a few of them here and there I know Liz Humphreys I know Meredith Feltz uh Taylor Hankins so there's there's ones that are there that I'm aware of and but having that communication um just haven't really had that opportunity I haven't been able to get back that was the first time I'd seen JMU play in Oklahoma in gosh five six years so um yeah, just the timing with Japan and stuff makes it hard to get back with them, or else I'd be there all the time. Um, but I do. I, I'd I'd want to be Alyssa Humphreys if I were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it gives me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's cool to see the the group of pitchers they've had. I think Jamie fans have also been spoiled to go from you to Megan Good, Odyssey Alexander, and now Alyssa. Just an unbelievable group of of players. I was interested too for for someone like yourself and even Odyssey and Megan. They were kind of under recruited a little bit. What was it like to maybe go into college 
with a chip on your shoulder. And by the time you're leaving, the amount of accolades you have is someone who, you know, probably should have been one of the higher recruits in the country. Oh, well, for me, it was never really about like the accolades or trying to be the most well-known or anything like that. For me, it was more, I think I wanted to be recruited by UVA at the time and they just wouldn't give me the light of day. So I knew too, I wanted to be a difference maker in a program. I thought JMU would be the perfect fit. So I think going there and just finding that community and finding that coaching staff that supported me and made me competitive and and brought out the best of me um, really helped. And I mean, everything kind of fell into place. I was never going out there to try to, to be an all American or to make it to, uh, we were trying to make it to world series, but it wasn't really ever about me or playing with that chip on my shoulder. It was more just, you know, finding that perfect fit and then trying to surround myself with people that are going to make me better. And I thought Jamie was that perfect place for it. So. Yeah, I'd say it worked out. I worked at a, a local newspaper in Charlottesville in the sports section for a couple of years. And I think they could have used a Jalen Ford in the UVA softball program. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm sure they're, they're kicking themselves over that lack of recruitment, but yeah. Awesome. I was interested as well with just the, the development of different uh, pitchers yourself and, and Megan and Odyssey. What's it kind of like when, when you're the upperclassman and someone like Megan Good comes in in terms of how much you help them develop, how much is it fully coaching staff? I guess, how does that interaction work? It seems like some of those veterans have kind of passed the torch over the years. Um, well, one again came in and made us more competitive. You know, we're, we're two competitive people. And plus when you surround yourself with better people, um, you just kind of elevate your level of work. Um, and I think that probably happened with Odyssey as well. And then Odyssey with Alyssa, I'm sure it's kind of the, that kind of trickle down effect, but, um, just being an upperclassman in that situation with Megan, you know, it kind of took her under my wing and, um, you know, helped her with anything she needed. A lot of it was more like, uh, out of softball or, um, just the mental aspect of it. But I think in a way we, we both just complimented each other. We, we pushed each other. Um, we were always grouped together. We always roomed together. I mean, we still hang out. We're, she's one of my best friends. So I, I think it's really helped that relationship build. Um, but I, I just think that having somebody like that on your team and, and in your, in your pitching staff is huge. And, so a lot of it is, was our, our coach, our coach Dean or, or coach support, coach Herzig. But at the same time, it was us just day in and day out. Just all, we were always in the same bullpens too. So it was mm-hmm. back and forth. Each time. I, she threw harder than me, but I, it didn't make me, I always tried to throw just as hard as she did. <laughs> so. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I was interested too. And this is my last one. I don't know if you have anything else, Jack, but kind of following up, you mentioned the, the national team tryout where every pitcher had to go like one-on-one. Uh, with with the batters, was there any matchup that was particularly um, exciting, or where someone got to, got the best of you? What were those one on ones like? Um, you know, I was. It was a tough lineup to begin with. I mean, once I stepped on the field and realized, you know, who I was facing, um, I was really looking forward to facing the Oklahoma girls because I just saw them rake throughout all the. Uh, <laughs> the world series and even this year i mean they just put up ridiculous numbers so i was looking forward to facing them um and then some of my teammates as well from pride or from um like previous teams to just being able to compete against them and try to get the upper hand i feel like that was a good competition wise at least you know they've seen me i've seen them so it's like who can who can come out this this one at bat on top yeah, gosh, I imagine those one-on-ones for, for everyone were pretty intense. That sounds like a, <laughs> something that would be a fun one to have a ticket to, if nothing else, even just the tryouts would be so much fun to watch. That's, that's oh, awesome. Fun. awesome. Jack, you got anything else? No, I'm all good. You covered all the bases. Not, no pun intended on that one. My apologies. Should keep the pun. That was good. Awesome. <laughs> well, Jalen, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and good luck with the season in Japan. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for all you do and um, go Dukes. (laughs) What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Have Have you ever invested in art, Bennett? I have not. I haven't invested in art. I've not invested in Facebook. Thank goodness. They're taking a dive today, Jack. Yeah, I saw that. But now you can invest like the GOAT with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art art from icons like Picasso 
Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, and see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Well, that was a fantastic interview. I loved every second of it. Um, one thing that stuck out, I even made a note of this because I wanted to kind of talk about it. She said that before she got to JMU, they were kind of a bad program. Mm -hmm. It's insane to me what money does. Because <laughs> what I mean by that is like, it seems because when she got there, that was kind of when football was also then becoming really good. And like when Bourne started directing more money towards the athletic programs as like their 15, not 15 years, they're like 10 year plan to go to the FBS and make that jump to a better conference. And it's just insane that what like recruiting well, having good coaches and like investing in your athletics actually does long-term and even short-term. Yeah. They made some facility upgrades too. And they've, they've got a decent little, little spot over there. They've also had a stretch where they've just landed these like unheralded recruits yeah. who became like the best player in the country, <laughs> which is crazy. But I think it's gotten them to a point where like, they don't have to do that anymore. I think in the future seasons, they're going to have recruits who like coming out of high school are considered top 50 players. So that's going to be important. And also like Virginia has some really good softball in it. We've talked about Virginia kind of being a, a, a solid baseball and softball state. And they've done a nice job there. They're also currently better than like UVA and Virginia Tech at softball. Um, both those teams are kind of on the rise, but yeah, they've done a good job getting them. And I thought kind of fascinating, did not know that Jalen Ford wanted to go to UVA coming out of high school, pretty massive miss by them. Um, she could have been like a program altering player for a team that really has not been able to make the NCAA tournament at all. So that's, that's another one where I'm sure teams like, you know, UVA, Virginia Tech wishes they had actually recruited Jalen Ford or, or Megan Good or Odyssey Alexander, but it worked out great for JMU. Yeah, I agree. Great conversation, though. A lot of fun. Anything else you want to add, uh, takeaways, anything like that from it? Not too much. I, uh, I thought it was good to have her on, and also I thought it was um, nice of her to come on. I think yeah. we're, both, we're both really uh, happy with kind of how we've grown JMU Sports News, but at the same time, like, she's in Japan right now and took, like, a, an interview for 20 minutes with our blog podcast, so uh, <laughs> I thought that it, was very cool. It is kind of funny how, like, when we not, – not to get too sentimental here, um, but, like, at one point we didn't have any guests. We had 20 listeners and now we're at like 250 listeners, a peek behind the curtain. We get like 250 some listeners per episode, but like when we reach out to beat writers and like former athletes, they normally respond and like are excited to talk to us, which it, it always feels cool. We've, we've had what shore smalls, O'Kelly Ford. I feel like I'm, I shouldn't have listed names because now I'm probably forgetting one. And those are definitely some of the more notable recent ones for sure. I don't know who else we've had on, but those have, <laughs> those have been there. We've had some beat writers, like you mentioned. And then of course, Chase Kitty, you know, huge, huge landing chase. <laughs> who would have thought that we'd be bringing up Chase two times <laughs> in the podcast? I will say, I guess as a transition into some Sunbelt football talk and then into basketball, um, we're not going to do a ton of Sunbelt on this one because we had a Twitter space. I guess it was Wednesday night with yeah. Chase on it. And we talked for over an hour, I think longer than we expected to, maybe rambled a little bit, but talked about the Sunbelt move. JMU is going to go there in all sports, including. Yeah, they are. They are in all sports, including football in 2022, minus field hockey, lacrosse, and swim and dive, which will soon be in other leagues. And we'll find out eventually, it appears. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, football, they're going to play eight Sunbelt games and uh, three non-conference games, which we already know next year. And that Sunbelt schedule is going to be released on March 1st, according to Keith Gill, the Sunbelt commissioner. So that's basically the Sunbelt update, unless you had any, uh, any takeaways from that news. 
No, I mean that that Twitter space that we hosted, it's uh, living on our Twitter. Um, so if you head on over to Jamie Sports News on Twitter, you can scroll down a little bit and find it in its entirety. Skip around. The first probably 45 minutes are actually talking about what it means and, and the ins and outs of it and kind of our reaction. In the last 45 minutes, we talk with some of the listeners. They ask questions. They talk about their comments, concerns, and, and we react to it. So it's a really good Twitter space. I thought it was really informational, went a lot of different ways, touched on a, little, a lot of different bases. Um, and it was really, really good. But the biggest blow with this Sunbelt move is Corey Heatherman going to Rutgers. Yeah, he was like, you know what? Uh, I don't want to be a part of the Sunbelt. So yeah. <laughs> it no, kind but... of gives me Lincoln Riley when they go to SEC moving out to Ex- the Pac-12. Yeah, box. exactly. No, but I, I actually did want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. So he's going to be the linebackers coach uh, at Rutgers. The defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, is Joe Harris-Simiak, who used to be the head coach at Maine. Um, when Heatherman was the D coordinator at Maine. So there's the connection there makes sense that he would go and coach with someone who, you know, he used to coach with Greg Schiano, very good coach and is the head coach at Rutgers. So like, it's a team that seems like it's probably trending upward. The thing that I did see some fans were saying, Oh, it's, you know, it's a step down from, from JMU defensive coordinator. Is it, is it though? Like, I don't, I don't totally agree with that. Like he knows the people that are there. Shiano seems to have Rutgers pointed in the right direction. They're in the big 10. Like if they're really good and they become good defensively and Harris Simiak gets like a P five job or something, like he could probably bring um, him with him. He could probably bring Heatherman with him or Heatherman could maybe get boosted up or something and be the defensive coordinator at Rutgers. Also, we don't know anything about the guy's life. Like I have no idea why he would want to, do something but there could also be personal reasons why he would want to make a move i just thought it was weird people were like oh that's so below us it's like no like a position coach <laughs> on a big 10 school is not way below jmu defensive coordinator yeah i i think yeah i mean there's really you you, you hit the nail on the head on each part of that i mean i saw the same thing and also yeah we don't know his personal life but I can also guarantee you that a position coach at a big 10 power five school has a larger pay than the D coordinator at that's what I beat <laughs> like like it also like also in the grand scheme of things a linebackers coach can probably get a power five coordinator spot a lot easier than granted JMU is going group of five but who knows how the defense kind of regresses in terms of numbers this next year and then is Heatherman stuck growing trying to grow it um and I mean, it's hard to go from FCS to FBS. And if you have an opportunity to go coach with your former head coach and make more money and be in a position, linebacker coaches tend to kind of make that next step. That's a pretty solid, you know, position coach on the defensive end. So I, it's, it's not a step down. If anything, it's a lateral move with more money. And I'm not faulting anyone for making a lateral move with more money because I've made that in my <laughs> career. <laughs> I'd be, I would be fascinated to see what the actual like paycheck differences are and what, like what the comparison is, but like, I'm sure Rutgers is paying pretty well in the big 10. So I think that's a, an interesting point. It's also like his resume doesn't get deleted. Like if someone's right. <laughs> like, he's been a defensive coordinator for multiple years at different places and had a ton of success. You add that in with like maybe a good group of linebackers in the big 10, like it stands to reason he could potentially get that job. You look at Harris Simiak, he was a head coach at Maine decided to take like a position coach job at Minnesota. Yeah, that's a step down. I'll say that. That's a step. That was a head scratcher. But now he's the defensive coordinator at Rutgers. So it's like it's there are paths to get through these different things. And I mean, Shiano is a well-connected coach. I think that even that could be a, a benefit. So is Signetti. But I think it's a, a solid, fine move for the guy. Like I thought it was weird when people were like, oh. I can't believe you would ever do this. Why, like, JMU defensive coordinator, you're basically going to be a power five head coach in a year because we're the best team in the country. It's like everybody just, like, calm down because you don't know the finances. You don't know, like, personal reasons. And also he could still very clearly go on a different path. Maybe he wants to coach linebackers for 20 years. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It was just weird when people were like, oh, I can't believe this. (laughs) I I feel like we saw that a few other times – what coach left there was, I feel like there was another coach that recently left and we kind of saw the same reaction, but I have no idea. So I'm, I'm not going to. Oh, the, uh, Shane Montgomery left to be yeah. the offensive coordinator at Buffalo. Right. And people were like, yeah. we're as good as Buffalo. It's like, all right, well he decided to leave. Like <laughs> get over it. 
Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, but also interesting is the fact that they're going to have to hire a new defensive coordinator. Yeah. And that's going to be big because the defense has been one of the best in the nation at the FCS level for now since Heatherman got there. And then even before Heatherman during the Houston era, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they fill that role, see what players kind of change. I wonder if they'll still run the three, three, five stack and, and all that good stuff, but it's kind of an important hire. You, you want continuity when you're moving from FCS to FBS. And now all of a sudden you lost arguably your most important coordinator. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So Brian Haynes too, was like technically linebackers and co-defensive coordinator last year. If you're looking for an internal bump up, he would obviously make a ton of sense. Um, so I wouldn't be stunned if they did something like that, just because yeah. they also did that when I didn't think they would for the offensive coordinator role. Um, when they had some, some internal candidates that, that obviously were really good. They, they went with Mike Shanahan after Montgomery left. So that yeah, I mean, certainly... that's a Super Bowl winning head coach kind of that's who you go with <laughs> that was yeah I was that was you know a pretty obvious one but they've got the other thing that's kind of interesting too is because he's moving on to be a position coach my guess is that they wouldn't like poach a bunch of other JMU coaches you know yeah I think you could still keep your defensive staff mostly intact which could be valuable yeah love it I think that's all we have on football this episode not I too much so. Do you want to jump over to basketball? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, before we do, we have a quick word from another sponsor. This one is, uh, this episode's packed full of sponsors. We're bringing in that money at uh, one cent per listen. What's more (laughs) important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service. How many times can I say VPN? Offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, or use the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So basketball, how many times did I say VPN during that read? Jeez Louise. I think that was smart to just like throw the company name at at the listeners as many times as you can. You know what? Like wake up at 2 a.m. NordVPN. So I I think it's gonna work, I think it'll stick. And uh, hey, if we're both betting guys, if you're looking for a little, uh, you know, a little skirt around, that's probably not what they want you to use it for. But you know, if it's a does it work for state, that? I think you can make it where it thinks you're in a state when you're not, or something. If you use a VPN proper. That makes sense. Yeah. Too bad all my VPNs for works are connected to New York servers. So, well, it's legal in New York now. I yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. All right, basketball, basketball. Let's not talk about degeneracy over here. All right, so we're recording this on Thursday. The men's team plays at Northeastern trying to avoid a three-game losing streak. Kind of a ton on the guys. uh, It would be the first three-game losing streak in the Byington era. Yeah, that would be disappointing. To call Molson's out for the year, which is kind of sad. Worth noting. Uh, Yeah, it's... uh, I'm feeling a little bummed about the state of state of basketball, but I think next year when they have a chance to actually have a, an at, well, not an at large, sorry, an automatic bid. I mean, an at large too. Everyone has, everyone has a chance, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a great point. No, but next year when they can win the Sunbelt and and get an automatic berth, potentially, I think that'll be uh, worth tracking and potentially very interesting if the conference USA teams, I don't know if that's just football or if they can't get in in all sports immediately. Um, that'd be fascinating because if you don't have Old Dominion and and Marshall for basketball, like next year, JMU, the Sun Belt should be up there for the taking, you would think. Yeah, because what the Sun Belt has App State as their best team right now. It's not a great, it's not a great. I think Texas State's had an okay year. We're, the the Sun Belt's worse than the CAA. They have overtaken it on Ken Palm. Sun Belt's overtaken CAA? Barely, yeah. <laughs> South Alabama. They're doing some great things offensively. But, yeah, Appalachian State, I guess they do lead the conference by a lot. Texas State has really faltered. So, Appalachian State, I think, like, JMU goes into the Sun Belt. I think JMU immediately, even with ODU and Marshall, 
Like you should be trying yeah. to win the league every year. Yeah, I, I agree. I also think it is key that they get a five, but we harped on that. I think a little bit too much last episode where we were talking about <laughs> roster management and lack of size and everything. They just really need to get a, uh, they need to get a, five get a so bad. transfer portal. And then if they get anyone over six ten. I will go on record the second they sign him in the transfer portal, or even if it's a, even if it's a recruit, freshman. even if it's a freshman, if they get someone over 6'10", I'll go on record saying they win the Sun Belt. Before even having them play a Sun Belt, <laughs> if, if they just get it, and, and if I'm not mistaken, Molson has another year of eligibility, right? I think so. See, that's another point that's kind of fascinating. It's like, is he coming back? Is Falden coming back? um Sule like those those matter what's going to happen there they also I don't know I don't know and then the other thing too is like with the transfer portal you could have guys who like you don't realize they're going to leave that end up leaving yeah like um, Christmas so that's, last season yep so that's another one to, to keep an eye on because someone like like Terrence Edwards has come on crazy strong of late I imagine there might be some some other teams that come calling so interesting to see who they'll be able to keep and all that good stuff because they got some guys that I like. They just, like you mentioned, kind of lack that size down low. But uh, hopefully they can avoid the three-game losing streak. I will say Ken Palm got him projected to finish the year for the last 10 games to go four and six. Um, and that's kind of combining all the win probabilities. If you base it off of just his game by game, he has him going two and eight in the last 10. Cool. It could be a battle here down the stretch. I'll say that. There's There's – Without Molson, you got some really tough road games. I mean, they're going to Delaware, to Hofstra, to Drexel, to Towson, to Charleston. Like, it's to UNCW. They play almost all their – seven of their final ten are on the road. So, it it could be tough the rest of the way. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, definitely a a challenging slate ahead. Now I just got really sad for the uh, future of the – not the future of the program, but the future of this season. I'd love to see him get to like secure a winning record. Looks like they're going to play 29 to go at least 15 and 14. That's it, not all that great, but it, it's, it's, it's certifiably crazy. The fall off this team has had since their COVID pause. Yeah. It, yeah. And I would say that their level of opponent hasn't changed drastically pre pause to post pause. If we're talking about like average Ken Palm mm-hmm. rating, it's probably very roughly similar. I I don't know if I can chalk it up to the COVID pause though. Like, did they just regress to the mean and were they just outplaying? I think this is the this is the question we'll answer on this podcast and then we'll we'll wrap it up. But is, did they just regress to the mean after that COVID pause? Did the COVID pause really throw a wrench in them that much? Were they really outplaying their expectations by that much at the beginning of the season? Like, what do you think happened? I think they had gotten um, – and, and the way you define, like, luck on Ken Palm is not, like, like lucky breaks or bounces necessarily. It's just the, like, if you're winning a bunch of really close games, there's, like, an element of luck. And Ken Palm has them as the 17th, like, luckiest team in college basketball. And in some ways they kind of are, right? They had, like, that old Dominion game that could have gone either way, but they that one they sort of earned. The Eastern Kentucky game they should have lost. Eastern Kentucky's up one, I believe with the ball inbounding they throw it away they had the charles falden put back layup and then they go down and essentially missed a layup at the end of the game too that seemed like whether it was contested or not i don't know the george mason game was a rock fight they ended up winning right state they only beat by two like florida atlantic was really close virginia game could have gone either way like so many of their wins they could have lost and then you look at some of these losses where it's like close loss to hofstra close loss to uncw close loss to drexel it's like, yeah, like you're not going to win every close game. That's not how it works. Like you want a team that when they're playing a team like Elon or William and Mary, you don't go to overtime with William and Mary, beat them by 20, or you don't lose by 20 on the road to Elon. You find a way to eke out like a six point win. So that's, yeah. that's my opinion is like, they were never actually that elite. They just got to a point early in the year where it's like, they were going to be in pretty much every game and they were executing pretty well down the stretch, but there's, I don't know. I feel like there's this idea that's like, well, they should be able to do that all the time. It's like, that's just not really how it works ever. I think it's a really good way to put it. They were, they, they weren't lucky. They didn't have lucky breaks. They just won a lot of close games. And now they're losing those close games. Exactly. And uh, quick, quick women's note. Okay. 
They got uh, they got Elon and William Mary on the road this weekend. Kind of interested to see how they finish it out because Sean O'Reilly was pretty honest in the latest O'Neill's thing. He was like, look, like we don't have Claire Neff and Peyton McDaniel, like no offense to anyone else, but probably two of our three best players. And also we're playing for quite literally nothing. Yeah. So I think next year is going to be, if they can actually get healthy, you're looking at Kiki Jefferson, (laughs) Peyton McDaniel, Claire Neff, Anna Goodman. Like that's a really good group of players. And we've said this for like five years where it's just like, if they can get healthy, but if they can get healthy, I think next year's going to be cool, but I'm still really interested to see how they finish the year. Cause I think they, their, their goal should be a winning word overall they're nine and ten right now i think both teams they finish with a winning record whatever you regroup in the off season you add some necessary transfers and recruits and then you get ready to go compete in the Sun Belt. that really isn't that much different or that much harder and i think next year could be really successful for the basketball programs i love that outlook um i do think it's hilarious though that you're pretty much reciting back what you said last year about the women's team the health last year you're this is the perfect COVID team. They're coming together. This is the perfect COVID year. This year doesn't matter because they're getting back. And now here you are. They're injured, but hear me out. Next year when they're all back together in a sun belt that they can compete it's just, in. This, women's basketball is hard to discuss a little bit because like, there's still this like wanting the Coach O era to end in the NCAA tournament and have like that result. But they got so screwed with yeah. injuries and COVID in the past, where like we would probably look, look at the team and the program so differently if they had, like remember that one year where they were doing like simulations with COVID and the like simulator on ESPN had, had uh, Jamie like in the Sweet, Sweet 16. 16. Yeah, yeah like, the, that was Kamaya's senior year with Lexi. Would, and like yeah. and then the year before that was the year that Lexi and Kamaya like broke their bodies the day before the conference tournament. No, Lexi broke her wrist, I think it was, in the first minute of the conference tournament. Kamaya got injured in the game before the conference tournament. Jackie Benitez ended up taking 55 shots and hit two of them. Like, that was that year. Then the next year was COVID. 2018 was a bad loss to Elon. 2017 was a bad loss to Elon. Right. I think it was Elon, Elon, then a bad loss to, like, I don't recall completely. That was so long ago. That was a whole pandemic. They had the one, the one with the injuries. I don't remember what year it was. They like lost to Hofstra or whatever, like a really bad Hofstra team. That was, that was the, I think JMU was like two. They had lost to Drexel a few times in the regular season. They were the two seed, but then they were decimated by injuries. This was 2019 because then next year they have no Benitez, but it's Lexi and Kamaya. And then they're really, 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 really good. And then COVID hit. And then they, that's when they were the Sweet 16 team. Then last year, they lose. Yeah. They last year, they just like were really young and never actually became like one of the best teams in the league, but they were like solid. And it was like, Oh yeah, we'll just see them grow. And then this year they, the injuries killed them and the shooting was just rough. They didn't know how to move. They, they still don't really know how to move the basketball around the court and create shots, but (laughs) last year they couldn't play defense. Yes. And then they, they they lose like 85, 83. Yeah, <laughs> they've seemed to make some strides there, but they're they're shooting twenty four percent from three, which just isn't going to cut it. So they got to get better there. But it's like it's so frustrating too, because the same thing with like Kamaya, where like she missed out on. It's like, did she not play in a tournament game? She never played in a tournament game. That's crazy. Like how good she was compared to like the rest of the league. It's the same thing with with Kiki Jefferson. It's like she's one of the best players in the league. She's averaging what is she at eighteen and a half and seven rebounds a game. She's, she's so been, fun to watch too. She is yeah. electric to watch. She's so good. She leads the team in blocks. She's got a bunch of steals. She leads the team in assists. Like she does so many things incredibly well. She hasn't shot the three all that great this year. It's like the one thing she hasn't done, but everything else she's been really, really solid and to not have it, uh, you know, amounting to anything is, is obviously frustrating because early on when they beat UVA, they did some stuff, even though they didn't have any assists, it was like, all right, well, you never know. Like maybe they'll pick up a bunch of wins and find a way to like force themselves into an at-large conversation. Has not happened. The injuries have been tough, but it's a program I would like to see kind of get back into that NCAA tournament picture because they're really fun to watch. You know. Yes. And, Anything else uh, you got to add? No, because I think we're still a couple weeks away. 
you're looking at the 19th, I think for, I want to say maybe baseball is the 18th, but um, 19th for, yeah, 19th for softball, 18th for baseball in terms of start dates. So I think that's still like a two podcasts away or something like that for a full preview maybe. Yeah, I think once the season starts, we'll do the preview, not like a preseason. Because the, and then the, we're like three weeks away. The beginning of Diamond Duke season is always just kind of – I don't want to say a headache. Like you jump right into the football season when you start losing games. Like you need to know what what's going to happen at the beginning of the football season. You need to know what's going to happen at the start of the basketball season. You don't need to know what's going to happen. Like you can we can we can do a a season preview once the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then also we have um, tentatively have a guest lined up for uh, maybe mid February. Yeah, that's going to be an exciting one to talk a little, uh, little chase to water because people have been clamoring for chase to water talk. So keep an have eye on that. We'll, oh yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on, uh, the basketballs, but extremely tough. And I guess lacrosse, maybe we'll talk at some point too, but extremely tough to get overly excited here when the, when they're not even allowed in the conference tournament, because the basketball seasons are going to end when the final game ends. There's no like unknown. CBI, baby, it might become calling. I, I don't even think they're calling, man. They destroyed well, you, well, you their know, resume. Well, if you look at what at VCU did, VCO did that. They won the CBI, and then the next year they're in the Final Four. That's the recipe. I don't That's think we're getting I'm in saying. the CBI. I think we're outside you know, the we're gonna CBI. We're going to win out. We're going to win out, and then win the out. <laughs> if they do win out, that'd be sick. That's like the only thing that would really excite me is if they they got 10 games left. If they win eight of those and hit 20 wins, that'd be hype, but... If they if they go playing they defense. twenty games, they're an NIT team. Book it. No, they're not an NIT team. They're not an NIT team. I know they'd be like a one fifty ten bomb team. Whatever. All right, for Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Oh wait. Also, the Jamie Sports News podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.